With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland, this is The Art Show on KCLR with Unani Valdainig. Hello, hello, and you're very, very welcome along to the last show in the current series, Tissues at the Ready. I think I'm probably the only one that's going to need a tissue, but anyway, on we go. It has been so lovely to have your company of a Tuesday evening for the past number of weeks. And this evening, we're going to be focusing a little bit more on visual art than we have in previous shows. We'll be meeting Alice Bennett shortly. She's an artist, an educator and a researcher. Alice lives in Kilkenny, but she's actually from Zimbabwe. And she'll be chatting to us about art in the community, amongst others things. Our artist in profile this week is Bernadette Kiley who lives in Thomastown. She'll share with us some of her own artistic journey and career highlights and she'll offer some advice for those who may dream of a life making art. But first off this evening our friends in Carlo Little Theatre Society are bringing Sebastian Barrys, the steward of Christendom to the visual in Carlo from tomorrow evening for four nights. The play is described as a profoundly moving story of family love and loss. But what's really, I think, intriguing about this production is the fact that the director, one Michael Summers, has, I'm going to use the word inflicted, but we'll discuss whether or not it was an infliction. He's inflicted the um, Chekhov method of, or the Chekhov technique on the cast. So we're going to chat this evening with Michael and we're also joined by Paul McManus, who plays the lead character, Thomas Dunn. So gentlemen, you're very, very welcome to studio. Thank you, Una. How are you both? We're in great form. Brilliant. Getting ready for a dress rehearsal in about an hour's time, so we're in great form. And time is money, says you, so yeah. on you go. Let's start off by by talking a little bit, if, if we can, about Chekhov. Tell us what that is, that, well, that technique. Well, Michael Chekhov was a Russian um, uh, theatre practitioner, and when the communists came to power in Russia in 1917, he went to... Um, he went to Germany and then the Nazis came to power in Germany and he went to America and he would have influenced a lot of the type of theatre of atmosphere and probably one of his most famous shows was in the Russian state theatre when he did a version of um, of um, Macbeth and he did not show the ghost of the father that he was basing all this upon atmospheres and what you see and not what necessarily what you see on theatre. People get bogged down in an awful lot of theatre about this being right and that being right in the Chekhov technique it's irrelevant because it's based upon the power of the atmosphere that the actor creates themselves. But so that sounds like savage pressure for the actors because a lot of the time you will get something from the set or from the, the music or whatever else is there and it just adds pressure Paul to uh, you dare I say. No I don't agree I actually find, I actually find that easier because um, theatres of the moment and it, uh, to me it's impressionistic without wishing to sound too highfalutin about that and what I mean by that is it's not a documentary you're watching where you're trying to bring people in into the moment and so therefore using an atmosphere to me is a far more efficient way of doing that than relying on sets and such and such so I find far more freedom with the check of techniques now when I go into rehearsal and Michael says we're going to do check of this evening you know my eyes go up to heaven and I'm like oh god here we go again then he, he's right, unfortunately, for but, me. But that's the other thing. So so to go back to it, the actual technique, now this is my layman, laywoman's impression of what it is, and you can set me straight in a second, but I think it is a physical gesture that gets you into character that feeds into the atmosphere that's on the stage. 
Is that essentially what it is? Well, that would is, there's two main tools in the Chekhov technique. One is the archetypal gesture, which is the broad brushes. And the other one then is the psychological gesture, which is where those little pieces come together. And when we were working on those, like they're based within physical movement in your body, because a musician plays a musician, a poet writes a poem with a pen, an actor really has nothing but their body. And within the Chekhov technique, it's about creating these atmospheres in it. And it's how those atmospheres are communicated and where you end those energy points within your body. Just to bear in mind that if you're leading through the solar plexus or you're leading where your light energies are, are have at the top of your head or basically down if, you're, if your negative energies are going back into the earth. Um, but give us an example. So, so say in your character, Paul, mm. Um, I'm not quite sure what the appropriate language is, but he is in a facility. Is he a, a, yeah, a hospital? It would, yeah, it would have been the, the county homes. It would have the been county home. to then. Okay. Yeah. So, so how wh- what do you need to draw on physically to create that atmosphere and to get into the character of Thomas Dunn? Well, when when he's showing the signs of dementia as he does throughout the play, it's really to make him smaller. And so I just have to imagine myself getting smaller and smaller, and everything is centered and and to make him smaller and when he's playing when I'm playing the, the, the flashback scenes when he's a, a policeman and he's powerful it's all big it's, okay, all so you just it's actually quite change. simple if you think of it that way but that, but that's all stuff that has to be sort of internalised and then you bring it out that way so it's it's all big, small, big, small But do you find that helps you to automatically get back to that place where he wasn't so troubled when you yes. bring yourself up yeah. physically? Yeah, absolutely yeah, the posture is so important it, it's it's um, you just automatically do it anyway. It's muscle memory. You get into it then, and and there's little gestures. I'm not going to say what I do. I'm not going to give away what what what, what particular moves I'm doing. But there's little movements I do straight away that will get me back into DMP mode. That will get me back into dementia mode. Mm. And there are little things that I've just been practicing the whole way through. Is it common sense, though, Michael, or do you need to study that? And did Chekhov really need to call it a technique or a methodology? Is it really just, look, you embrace the character that you're playing and if he is down in the dumps, you're obviously going to sing into yourself and if he's not, you're going to well, not. I'd have a different opinion to that because we have 14 different styles of acting in this show and an actor has a toolbox so when they want to draw upon their Suzuki or they want to draw upon their viewpoints or they want to draw upon their method or their emotional memory or indeed even the che- any of the 14 different techniques within the Chekhov technique um, if you want to draw those on and you're finding a character hard to get on at least no more than a carpenter going to cut a table with a saw or cut a piece of wood with a saw the actor goes into their toolbox and they're able to bring out this technique whatever that technique is to, to, to really get to grips with what the part is and uh, I think from my point of view of a director when you see those and you paint those pictures and you see those lovely tapestries going on in the background uh, that you can that you can weave it in a lot, lot of people will talk about straight about method acting which is fair enough but there is more than one style of acting like I, I'm a massive fan of clown in particular but like uh, we have drawn we've, we've done mask work in this we've done a lot of really good emotional stuff it's all physical body acting and like we must have the least least um, set at show probably ever. I think we only have three, five pieces of furniture mm. in, in the whole piece. So is there any backdrop to what you're doing? No, it's just five pieces of furniture. Okay. Like, um, like this is there, there is there is a backdrop and there is a, it, it, it's a vi- I don't want to say anything about it but it's, it's quite a visually exciting thing that we're doing. Um, sorry to cut across Michael. This play is perfect for this kind of thing because it could be done very dryly it can be done as Thomas Dunn sitting in his bed given I think he's got ten monologues throughout the play. If it was just doing that, 
it's magnificent writing, a little bit boring on the eyes, possibly. OK, hold the thought. We're going to come back to talk a little bit more about the play in a second. I'm here, I'm joined by Michael Summers, the director of The Steward of Christendom, and also by Paul McManus, who plays the lead role. They're going to chat a little bit more about the play just after these. The Art Show on KCLR with Una Neville Downing, with thanks to Kenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. And I'm joined in studio here by two very artistic gentlemen, Michael Summers, who is directing, and Paul McManus, who's playing the lead in The Steward of Christendom, which comes to the visual in Carlo this, well, actually tomorrow evening, until Saturday. So you were just saying in the break there, Michael, that you have quite the cast here. There are nine principals. Nine principals. Um, uh, we just have a phenomenal cast. Um, Paul, obviously, is playing Thomas Dunn, which is probably the great male actor part of Irish theatre I would reckon and um, we have um, Richard Duffy is playing uh, Black Jim Georgina Brennan Steins is playing um, is playing Mrs O'Dea who, who are involved in the county home um, So I, none I of the just, characters are in the county home? Yeah well they're, they're flicking and flick out so then um, like um, uh, Emer, Emer Martin or Emer Pete like uh, Emer is a well seasoned actress she, she's involved with is um, Michelle Phelan Neve Day um, just magnificent magnificent actors and then Joe Hayden is making his first um, appearance uh, with Little Theatre and you know like Joe has been outstanding so far and then maybe from the Kilkenny route just <laughs> with myself and Kevin Tynan we're from Coon and Muckalee so we'll, we'll keep the St. Martin's flying flag the black and amber. We'll, we'll keep the St. Martin's flag flying high there and, and um, I want yeah. to just come to Paul for a second Paul so it, I, I think it probably is as, as Michael says a part of dreams to play somebody who is Mad. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that experience. It's absolutely magnificent. I mean, um, you got so much space and so much time to sort of explore the character on stage and let people see what you're doing because I'm on stage for two hours, 15 minutes or something ridiculous like that. That is a um, lot. And you have a number of monologues in this as well, don't yes, you? Yes, uh, yeah, nine or ten or something like that, yeah. That's um, a lot. Yeah, they're all very, very well written. I, in the forward for the script, um, Sebastian Barry recalls Donald McCann, who first played Thomas Dunn in the, the original production, and Donald McCann said, even King Lear gets to go off for a pee now and again. So that shows you how often he's on stage. and it, it, It's kind of the equivalent of King Lear, really, in terms of the... It's the, quite intense, yeah, yeah. yes, uh, with the madness. But uh, did you have moments where you thought, God, this is a little bit too much for me? Like, there is an intensity to it that maybe might take you over a little bit? Um not particularly, not particularly. We're just so busy working on it. Maybe if you'd asked me that two months ago, I'd been a bit panicky about it, but not really. It's it's just been, it's been a joy to take it on. It, you know, because he's there are literally so many layers to what he's doing, and he and he's he's playing himself when he's when he's healthy. He's playing himself when he's got dementia. And does he flit over and back between yeah, those? Yeah, and it's it's not linear, so it goes into into memory, it goes into uh, dream sequences that goes back into the present day and such and such so I can literally drop a hat I am going from one extreme to the other Hence the Chekhov uh, methodology and have you worked with that before Michael? Oh, look I would have trained in it back because um, you know like um, I would be fairly well workshopped at this stage and um, like what I would have taken a particular liking to the Chekhov technique uh, more so I just think it's a totally unexplored option on stage and when it works on stage it is just the most phenomenal type of acting that you can see because you feel the energy coming at you it's like a tidal wave of energy it's not like well I know my lines and I'm great and I'm moving here and look that's fine but when you embrace what this is and when it goes to that level and you can say yes this has gone beyond the play this is in the realm of art yeah. and somebody said to me many years ago I was doing a play we don't know what you're doing 
but we know you're doing something. It's working. You mentioned earlier, or, or perhaps you said, uh, Paul, that the lines nearly become irrelevant because you're so engrossed in what you're doing. And I was saying to you that I'm reading an Anne Enright book, Actress at the moment, and she mm. describes one of the characters in that book as being the type of actor who knows his own lines but doesn't know the script. So this nearly seems to be the very opposite of that, where you're all embraced in this atmospheric energy that creates... This yeah. this great piece of theatre. I don't know how you can act and not know the whole script because I mean the whole script is enhancing your your lines. Anybody but does that? I think it's quite a selfish kind of approach to be. I honest. would say it's common though because a lot of people are not so good at learning and it requires an immersion and a learning well, that maybe I don't think doesn't it come necessarily means you have to learn the other characters' lines, but you need, you have you to, need know to know really well. what's happening at, at mm. particular points, even if you're not on stage, because it all has an impact on your character, you know. So you're confident that even if somebody goes very awry with the script, we'll be able to pick it up as a cast and, and keep things moving? Yeah, you shouldn't. You, that, that, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Look, everybody's going to forget things here and there. But if you know the impulses, if you know emotionally where you're meant to be at that moment, you'll, you'll get out of that hole anyway, you know. OK, how can we put this to... How can we check you out and, and buy a ticket to see if you're all talk lads? You can go to visual.ie. The tickets are available there. Also go to uh, Carl Little Theatre's social media. That's on Facebook, Instagram, etc, etc. All the links are there. Um, and tickets are on sale, yep, from Wednesday through to Saturday. Are you there. looking forward to the end of it? Either or both of you? No. No. no, definite no. The, look, I've been in a lot of shows in my time. I think I've been in over two hundred plays, and I've been in very good stuff. This is the best play I've been involved in, and I can't make it any stronger than that. Wow, that's a big statement, Michael. Well, like I look, I, I've worked with some really good directors, um, but like we've had a almost perfection of a tech crew as well. So big shout out to Ty there in, in Vision and Brian. But it's just when you have actors that give absolutely everything and I know they weren't comfortable at a long part of it. But, but they once, went with it. Once once they came with it and we built and built and built that they have delivered this is this is a this is a top notch show. And I'm not saying it because I'm directing it. People will know I'm a very harsh judge of, of theatre. Um, I think this is this is up there with some of the best stuff that's going to be seen in the country this year. Well, listen, there is a sales pitch. May <laughs> may legs be broken, gentlemen, and hopefully I'll get to see it on one of the evenings and enjoy it. Absolutely, that's the plan. And thank you so much for coming in to tell us about it this evening. It is now time for our Artist in Profile segment where this week we hear from visual artist Bernadette Kiley. A lot of Bernadette's work has centred around flooding, so it's unfortunately timely, I think, that we hear from her after recent weather incidents. Here she shares how where she lives, Thomastown, influences her work, what it's like to be an artist in Kilkenny. And she talks about key points in her artistic career and offers some advice to aspiring art makers. My name is Bernadette Kiley. I'm a visual artist. I work mainly with paint, drawing, photography and video. I'm rural uh, but urban, so I'm both. I live in Thomastown, at the edge of Thomastown, so it's um, it's kind of um, a good world, so I kind of get the best of both. My location very much influences um, my work because I live on the right on the River Noor, so when I look out the window, that's what I see is the river. So I've been making work about flooding for a long time, basically documenting what I see as I as I look out. So um, yes, my my location influences me very much, um, the land as well as the rivers and the people who live around in around the area. So locality is very important to me as 
um, a place to work and a place to be. Um, a key point in my career, I suppose, was when I went to the Ballinglen Arts Foundation in the year 2000, I think. I'd been working as an artist for 10 years, over 10 years at that point, and when I went um, to the Ballinglen Arts Foundation, which is in North Mayo on the coast, um, a very bleak environment, but with now a, a museum of their own, which wasn't there then. But when I went, I didn't know what I was going to do there, and I went in response to an invitation. Um, so I didn't bring any materials with me, and I, as I thought, I wouldn't have enough time to really do anything. So while I <laughs> gradually I realised that I could make some work about the area and I went into the local uh, stationery shop and all they had was I think black paint, uh, red and yellow and I bought that and ended up buying a tin of aluminum <coughs> silver enamel as well so I ended up making a, a very large series of paintings and in fact doing a touring exhibition from that work which led on to two other exhibitions related to that work so I'd have to say that that was a key point in my career because I had no set plan and I responded to the landscape in in the way um, that I had only available materials. You know, there's a saying that um, necessity is the mother of invention, so it was really a case of that. But I learned an awful lot from it, and it showed me that really creativity is not dependent on having a huge amount of materials or anything like that, but um, on, I suppose, very small amounts and imagination and, I suppose, creativity, and also very much in response to the place I was in. To be an artist in Kilkenny is is, is very nice, uh, I have to say. Um, it's a lovely county um, from a landscape point of view. It's, it's quite lush and beautiful trees and rivers and, you know, not that densely populated, really. And the city of Kilkenny is great because it's got the Butler Gallery and the Kilkenny Arts Festival, which I was very lucky to be part of from when I came to live in, in Thomastown, really, in, in kind of the mid to late 80s, early 90s. So um, there's a lot of other artists in the area, uh, which is really great. So I think it's a very good community, really, for artists to live in. And because I've been involved in the Thomastown Arts Festival, that's like um, an even better extension of the Kilkenny Arts Festival. And it's absolutely great to see the community coming together and working to put on um, a festival of their work. So I suppose overall, yeah, it's a really good place to be, Kilkenny. Um, I'm, a key point in my career as an artist has been... I suppose there's been a lot of key points and it's it's difficult to pinpoint one, but I'll just uh, give you a recent key point, which is in terms of, I suppose, career um, rather than being an artist, is that recently um, a large painting of mine based on um, flooding um, was bought for by the Crawford Gallery of Art for the National Collection. And while I've been making work about flooding for a long time, um, 20 years really, um, in one way or another, and even before it, um, I suppose my work wouldn't have been recognised as being actually related to something threatening like flooding. It, it would more maybe have been seen as, um, oh yeah, it's a lovely picture of um, reflection in the river. You know, not, not necessarily 
necessarily so, but I suppose overall. So I was really delighted to see that work of mine has been bought for the National Collection and for their environmental uh, kind of collection, uh, ecology and everything that's related to that. I'm currently working on a large painting um, which is of a figure in a landscape and it's a local man who does the gardening for the local, what used to be called the county home, which is an an old folks hospital and also kind of accommodation for uh, what they call elderly people. So the grounds of where I've been walking since I moved to Thomastown, so I'd have to say I've been walking in those grounds for 30 years. And the man is sitting in a lot of green and I think it'll be called the green room, which relates to my work overall um, and specifically, I suppose, to the last body of work or rather their last exhibition I did during uh, this year um, which was called Scenes of a Local Nature and that's related to a flooding in this area and flooding all over the world and also biodiversity in terms of our own local areas and own local gardens. Gardening is something I'm always very interested in but from the point of view of the plants that are native to the area and what actually appears when you don't will say garden in inverted brackets or basically that you let things do their own thing. So this is of a man sitting in a green field and I, one of the titles I have in my head for it is called The Green Room because uh, the man himself, his name is Frank, um, he says he's a very happy man and it's a reference to the happiness that can be, I suppose, felt or experienced where all he's doing is sitting in a kind of very lumpy field but there's a lot of green around him. Uh, Time and space is important to me as an artist. Is is yes, it's very important because in order to um, to think, uh, process ideas, and make the physical work as an artist, I do need an awful lot of time and space. And in a way, I suppose the time is never switched off. It's like as an artist, you're always on. Um, you're never not. And I won't say working because in a way it's not work, it's it's more part of who I am as an artist that I suppose I'm so probably so attuned and maybe alert to what I see around me after all, all, all of my life to, to date doing that, that I, I don't really ever switch off and people say why don't you go on a holiday and just totally switch off? And I'm like, well, actually, I don't really want to do that, you know, because I always love to see new places and see what's happening in the landscape. So, yes, uh, time is time and space are essential, um, regardless of where they are. But you do need to be to have that solitude in, in order to make work. Um, the most rewarding part of being an artist, I suppose, is the, I don't know if there's any one specific rewarding um, aspect of it, but the freedom to explore my own thinking, my ideas um, about the world, um, the freedom to go about a day being observant and taking in kind of information and ideas and being able to be creative in the studio and I suppose the excitement of being able to make a piece of artwork, a drawing, painting, film about something that I would like to see myself. 
um, maybe that's um, maybe that's the most rewarding um, in the uh, as a, as a creator I suppose you start off with something an, an idea and go through a process of it and then the most rewarding part really is seeing it you know almost finished or, or just about finished um, the advice I'd give to someone interested in being an artist is you have to work really hard and you have to be prepared to work really hard and if you love working as I do it'll be good but you have to love what you do and I mean really love it and if you really love it then you'll stay working at it regardless of the challenges and there there is a lot of challenges in being an artist um you know a lot of it is maybe not having enough money and a bit like when i went to mail <clears throat> not having any materials and trying to figure out well how am i going to make art when i really don't have very much so there's a lot of challenges involved in it but again i'm a great believer in having very little and trying to make as much as you can from what you have love what you do and work really hard if I had one wish for the arts in Ireland it would probably be um, that maybe the arts were more inclusive um, and also that it's an artist is a recognised um, I won't even call it a profession but a recognised person who's given equal priority with scientists, mathematicians teachers, historians, nurses plumbers, everybody and also that it would be included um, even compulsory is, is not a good word but that it would be included in the subjects in school, the STEM, what they call STEM subjects and that it would be steam so that it's science technology art would be included as an essential component of subjects that are taught in school because it art is not just about creating paintings or videos or installations it's about a way of thinking and a way of being in the world and it informs where you live your environment place the town you live you know so many things in fact i i would i would actually say it probably informs everything you can find out more about me and my work on my website which is www.bernadettekiley.ie and also i i work with the taylor galleries a commercial gallery in dublin and they would have a work of mine on, on a regular basis and you could look up their website as well which is basically taylorgalleries.ie the Art Show on KCLR with Unani Valdainig. With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. You're very, very welcome back. Now, I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by our next guest this evening, Alice Bennett. I was going to say all the way from Zimbabwe, but that's a bit of a stretch. You've been here a while, haven't you? A while. <laughs> Just 23 years. Yes, that's quite well. I might bring you in a little bit closer sure. to the microphone How's so we that? can hear you. Yeah. You're very softly spoken. That's your lovely Zimbabwean twang, I guess. I that suppose, yeah. I'll try to speak because I do get that often. I need to speak up. No, no, you don't. It's beautiful. No. It's gentle. But we maybe we shout. I, I definitely do. I have to ask you first, if it's not asking the obvious, what brought you to, to Ireland, Alice? To Ireland. So um, I am married to... Um, a man whose grandparents were originally from Coleraine in the north, but they went out to Africa, to Malawi specifically, to um, start a life for themselves when they were very young. So my husband was born in Malawi. 
and I was born in Zimbabwe. And when we had to leave um, because of political trouble, um, my husband had an Irish passport. So it made sense to come to a place where we could start working. You so you came here. So you you left early 2000s, late yes, 90, May early 2000. 2000. Um, 2000 was a difficult year for Zimbabwe. It was the land reform at that time. So it was a particularly violent time in Zimbabwe. And um, we needed to we needed to leave. Um, my husband's cousin was involved in politics and, and he had to go into exile as well. So we came here quite shaken. Um, it was difficult change for us to do, but a very warm and welcoming one as well. And just a beautiful place to land when you are um, when you've come through some kind of trauma. So I'm very aware of that for other people who come into Ireland, um, you know, you know how to, I suppose, welcome people and, and what needs to be done to make sure that somebody feels safe. But I suppose, I mean, that's an incredible story in and of itself. But I guess we're here to talk about your art. And yes. I suppose something I'm really interested to know is like that was an, a very frightening experience. How did that at the time and since inform your own practice? I think quite significantly only when I look back and reflect on it now, which I'm doing a lot of um, through my research, I realise that my art is an expression of everything that I've experienced, my life world, both in inner and outer. So it would be an expression of um, psychological and emotional um, experience, but also the physical and the the. The diaspora that we were part of, I think, has been a, a huge part of what I write about in my poems, but also I paint that story often. You know, I would work through different um, iterations of that experience. So at the moment, so for instance, in I'm I'm doing a doctoral research in arts education and um, adult education and through that research I'm painting some of that experience so um, it's hard to go it's hard to go through but it's very cathartic at the same time and and healing I'm sure yeah. and another probably foolish question but yeah. is there a difference in so so everything you you knew before you came here would have been influenced by Zimbabwe is there a difference in how you create art there well, I was I was an art teacher in a secondary school when I was there, and one thing that really did influence the art that we ma made was the scarcity of materials. So we would be very inventive and creative around what we use to make art. And um, I think I just heard yes. Bernadette Kingle yeah. saying how you know that that um, having just a few few bits can help you be more creative. So I would, I think that my initial practice was probably stretched by having to, having to use, you know, things that maybe weren't so obvious as art materials and make the most of what we had. Okay. Yeah. And you've since gone on to study and to teach and you're now doing, as you say, your doctorate. But I want to, I went on your website and 
I want to quote you something you said. Surprise, surprise. You might not even remember saying this, but <laughs> I thought this was such an, uh, a phenomenal thing to be able to say about what you do. You said, when I'm painting, I'm alive and connected to the world. Colours and light are very important to me. I'm more concerned with the energy and essence of an image than achieving realism, but do believe that good drawing is a basic essential for all art making. <laughs> there are so many things in that that interest me. Do you remember writing that? Well, yeah, I still believe that. Thank goodness for that. But you, you say something there that really, I suppose, that resonates with me because when I was in school, you do all these tasters. I did art in first year and at the parent teacher meeting, the art teacher said to my mother, Una should pick something else because she should not study art because I was terrible at the basic drawing. I didn't have any of that skill. And I thought that was really interesting that you say that because we don't enjoy things that we're really rubbish at. And and I was. So so like would you would you feel that some people it's just not the path that they should be pursuing? That is such an interesting question because and I think some of my my current students would say that this is this is what I tell them. I would blame your art teacher if you don't mind me. No, but I don't. That. I think she was dead right. I think no. I would have had a miserable life trying to be something I'm if not you, ever no, going to be good at. If you don't want to be an artist, then that's a different story. But I do believe drawing is like your ABCs. I, I know you, you teach as well. So you understand there are basics that you can teach somebody which gives them the tools, the, the vocabulary to to be able to do that skill, even at its most basic form. So I do believe, and I, I, I think that I've proven over a good 30 years plus that I could teach anybody to draw. Okay. Um, but then if they don't want to draw... That's another not, thing. That's a different thing. So, do you know, you can be absolutely rubbish at it, absolutely. But if you don't want to do it, you're going to stay rubbish at it. Does yes, but the sense? essentials you can learn. No, it does make you sense. But like that feeling of being alive when you're doing something, that flow that we're all looking mm. for, that's a wonderful thing to spend it's your life doing if that's how you feel about it, isn't it? Isn't it? It's an absolute privilege. I mean, I do. I think to myself... I get up in the morning, that's my job. I'm going to a job that I absolutely enjoy. Let's talk a little bit, Alice, about the community art and the community work that you've done here. So that is, that's, that is, an. I'm just, I'm so lucky. I mean, I'm gushing now because it, it brings me alive to be in community. I'm very, very lucky to work with the ETB, KCETB. So I teach classes in Carlo and Kilkenny. Um, always with with adult education at the moment and um, they range I go through pottery painting uh, creative writing poetry so those are my sort of areas that I work with and you never know where you're going to go to different communities different groups of people I just came from Ballon so they said I must give them a shout out (laughs) so here it is ladies thank you so much for a lovely afternoon and we were making pottery um, at the Ballon Business and Training Centre and when I arrive I don't know who I'm going to be working with or what their needs are or how are we going to get through the course but it it's so lovely because I'm learning all the time do you know this whole the the whole idea that the teacher knows everything and the student is going to soak it up is not the real world at all so today I learned how to make a garlic uh, grater plate which I never thought to make before in pottery Um, and yeah so every day is new every day is exciting um and it's just great to be able to share skills that you have 
So and you were opening. Yeah. And you're opening up a world to people that may not otherwise come across it. And I think that's a real privilege, isn't it? It is. I mean, when you see a spark go off in someone or like that, um, somebody who thought they couldn't draw suddenly gets that skill and yeah, the lights come on. Yes. Beautiful. Okay. well, listen, maybe you could take me in hand and turn on the light. (laughs) I'm going to take a short break, but I do want to chat to you. Time is not on our side and I wish we had more of it, Alice, but I want to chat to you a little bit more about your art. And also you're going to share a poem from your first collection. So we'll be back just after this. Very welcome back. I'm here chatting with Alice Bennett and I had introduced Alice as artist, educator and researcher. What I left off the list was writer, but you have, maybe you always wrote Alice, did you? I did. I always wrote and drew and like, you know, side by side. Okay. And was there a first love? Or a bigger love? Um, No, actually, I can't think there was. Okay. They came together. Well, listen, you're going to read a poem from your first um, collection and the title is First Breakfast. I was searching for a word and I said, it sounds a little bit and you said sexy. So let's hear your sexy (laughs) poem. Off you go. Thank you. Slipping between the sheets like raw silk, it enters into the two of us. Your foot on my thigh, your fingers entangled in my hair. In the morning, it spills into everything. The teacup's amber liquid, the butter knife, spreading golden velvet across the rest of our lives. That is so beautiful, short Short and very, very sweet. I love that. Tell me what influences your writing. So... Uh, Yes, um, very much like the painting and the drawing, it's life experiences. And I suppose the um, relationships are a huge subject for me in writing. And just that psychological dynamic between people is probably the the nux of it. You could spend your whole life. Does that come out in your painting as well? Because it's such an intriguing subject, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. I mean, that's it's never ending. Do you love people watching and then taking your your pen and writing something? (laughs) Yes. Oh, listen, we have to continue this chat off here. (laughs) Alice, I wish I had more time with you because it has been so, so interesting to chat with you. What are you working on now, Madayaski? So I have um, I have a piece that I hope will become a novel. It's very ambitious for me at this stage, but it could be a series of short stories and it's autofiction. It traces a life similar to the one that I have experienced. Well, so. it certainly sounds like there's lots to put into that and the very, very best of luck with thank that and all so your much. artistic endeavours. And thank you so much for coming in. I want to thank you as well for listening to the show this evening and any other evening that you tuned our way. I want to thank Miri Butler of Kilkenny County Council Arts Office. I want to thank Tara Byrne and I want to thank Vanessa McGrath. You all know why I'm thanking you. And we're going to finish off our series with a little piece, just a tiny snippet of V. Viva La Vida from Arish Choir in Kilkenny and from me, Unani Valdownik, Slán. With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland, this is The Art Show on KCLR with Unani Valdownik.